nothing is harder and nothing is more rewarding than being in business with family. I know this for a fact because I've been doing it for 47 years, and in that time, I've learned a thing or two about making things work between the generations. I'm Shannon Hayes, and you're listening to The Hearth of Zapbush Hollow. Welcome to the Hearth of Sapbush Hollow Chronicles and Lessons from a Life Tied to Family, Community, and the Land. I'm Shannon Hayes, and I operate Sapbush Hollow Farm with three generations of my family in the northern Catskill Mountains of upstate New York. I'm the chef-owner of Sapbush Cafe, a farm-to-table and neighbor-to-neighbor experience, open Saturdays 9 to 2 in our tiny hamlet of West Fulton. And I'm also the author of a few books, including Radical Homemakers, The Grass-Fed Gourmet, and my newest title, Redefining Rich, which has just been released from Ben Bella Books. It was an Irish lamb stew, made from our farm's grass-fed lambs, local root vegetables, and bone broth that we simmered for 72 hours straight. It came with a wedge of fresh-baked Irish soda bread with local grass-fed butter, a slice of Irish apple cake topped with custard cream, and a pint of locally brewed stout. It was the St. Paddy's Day special we created for the cafe for March 17, 2020. I had made the stew the night before and had assembled all the ingredients for the cake and the soda bread. We never got to serve it. The pandemic forced us to shut the doors of the cafe and withdraw from our farmer's market of over 18 years. It caused us to lose access to our processors and butchers, our suppliers, our employees, and our customers. The past year and a half has been full of upheaval, sorrow, and fear for all of us. And yet, Sapbush Hollow Farm and Cafe is still chuffing along. At the same time, my aging parents have stayed healthy and happy, our teenagers have grown powerful and confident, and Bob's and my marriage has remained strong. Like most small businesses, we pivoted. We pivoted so much, we've grown tired of the word. In that first year, we saw articles about it online and in the newspapers. The local chamber proselytized it. Business websites profiled cases on it. And Cooperative Extension offered online workshops on how to do it. The belief was that pivoting was the key to saving small-scale businesses. But looking back at it all, pivoting hasn't really been the key to our success. It was family. 
As a family business, we were able to work as a pod when pods were required, minimizing our risk of exposure to COVID. Three generations were able to look out for each other. The teens stepped into work when employees left to address their own family needs. Mom and Dad's savings provided an emotional safety net, freeing Bob and I, who are the middle generation, to experiment, take risks, and find the opportunities in the chaos to build a business that was better at nurturing our quality of life. Too often, the family is lost in family businesses. Younger generations are alienated and feel like they can't do anything right. Older generations can't understand why the younger ones can't do anything right. Marriages fall apart from the financial constraints and the work pressures. And if the business manages to hold on, too often they become a prison for the family members who work within them or burdens of guilt for those who escape. It shouldn't be that way. A resilient family business should provide greater freedoms, enrich our quality of life, nurture creativity and relationships, enable spiritual and emotional growth, and deepen a sense of community and abundance. Today, in this last podcast for the 2021 season, I'm going to outline some tips to make that happen. Number one, expand your definition of wealth. Too often, wealth is misunderstood as simply money in the bank. Instead, think of true wealth as the ingredients for a good life, the ability to take off on a weekday morning for a hike, to drink in the glories of a mountain stream or the gardens in a city park. It's fresh air, rich soil, clean water. It's the freedom to sit with your kid over a cup of coffee and ponder the great mysteries that reveal themselves in algebra. It's the time we can give to keep a marriage solid and to maintain good relationships with our children. It's the opportunity to debate with our elders over news, politics, or inevitably business matters. It's a chance to share labor with them rather than fixating ad nauseum on aches and pains, prostates, blood pressure, and mortality. True wealth is the food on your plate, the smile of a neighbor, the laughter around the family dinner table. Even confronting the problems that we examine and debate keeps us engaged in learning and spiritual growth throughout life. With this broader definition of wealth, we start to see that financial ups and downs are merely a small part of an overall wealth portfolio. Often, financial hardships help us to develop deeper connections and more resourcefulness, building our resilience and adding even more to the true wealth bank account. When we see how much of this true wealth a family business allows, suddenly we see it as a lot more profitable. Two, welcome the next generation into the workplace with clear processes and protocols. Too often we bring our kids into the workplace expecting them to have as most skills by simply watching us. We don't prepare them to do a good job. When they fail, we parents tend to push them aside, grumbling, we need to make sure this gets done right. But if they can't do it right, that's on the parents. In order to successfully teach, we must first examine our work process. Process is sequencing. In our cafe kitchen, that means knowing that home fries take longer to cook than eggs. It is also arranging, making sure that all the tools and materials are placed in exactly the same spot every time. And finally, it is about cleanliness. In order to do a job efficiently and well, we need a welcoming and orderly workspace. 
The beautiful thing about a well-examined process is that it takes the skills that each of us have internalized and lets us communicate them to the next person by means of a written protocol. With each revision, the protocol is updated, work becomes more efficient, and quality improves. When we teach a new task to our kids, a written protocol prompts us to prioritize essential procedures and puts a guide to work in their hands. This sets them up for success. Even when interruptions happen, protocols give family members assurance that they can complete a job start to finish with certainty, able to put their full attention on whatever task comes next. Moreover, established protocols make skills more readily transferable to whomever enters the business. Three, be present on the job. It's impossible to merge family and business and not have conflict. On the good side, the loving familial bonds keep us from firing one another and it's easier to blow off steam. On the downside is the high likelihood of violating personal boundaries and failing to self-moderate. Therefore, we must maintain mental presence on the job. Presence is about giving ourselves to the moment. It's about letting go of all the tension that might be flying through the air, all the drama that may have happened at home, or yesterday, or five minutes ago, and fully giving the work at hand our utmost attention, devotion, and love. If we can't maintain presence, let go, forgive, forget, and move on with the moment, all that emotional detritus spills over into customer service, and that's a stinking mess. Or worse, it could alienate your child, causing you to lose a future business partner, your legacy, and one of your best friends. Four, learn the money paradox. We talked about this a few weeks ago. I'm going to review it again because it's important. The money paradox is this. Ultimately, money has nothing to do with true wealth. Money is a tool for facilitating transactions, but it is not the fresh air, the pure water, or the fertile soil. It is not the caring neighbors, words of encouragement from an elder, or a child's hug. It is not laughter, inspiration, or fascination. It is not delicious, and it is not warm. Money is a great tool, and I'm not saying that we can create a society free of it, but I've learned that when I get fixated on the idea of scarcity, suddenly pursuing money becomes detrimental to my happiness, and I miss out on all the riches that surround me in a family business. Instead, I've learned to crunch my numbers and work my business with a different goal, true wealth in mind. Then, before I get swallowed up in money problems, I remind myself of three corollaries to the money paradox. A. Increased income does not guarantee increased happiness. B. Too much material wealth can be stagnating. Essentially, the more we have, the more we have to lose. And C. We will always want more money. If we accept these phenomena as simple facts of life, it is easier to detach from financial complaints. When we don't beat down our family life by fretting over money, the family stays whole and vibrant. When a family stays whole and vibrant, they work together. They innovate, grow, thrive. And so does the business. And finally, number five, let the business evolve. 
Just because the business works today doesn't mean it will work the same way in a decade. The best people to identify the new directions of a business may well be the members of the next generation. Their ideas need to be taken seriously, and those changes aren't necessarily going to be dictated by changes in the industry you're in. A family business needs to evolve to reflect evolution of the family and its needs. My grandfather's sheep farm had multiple breeding cycles per year, and he sold all his lambs at livestock auctions and to wholesale buyers. He kept the flock in a barn and fed grain. My mom and dad loved selling to the local community and didn't want to stress the ewes with high production demands. They wanted to raise their sheep on the lush hillside pastures. They moved their farm toward direct marketing and switched to rotational grazing. Bob and I liked the sheep, but our best skills were in developing markets and serving customers, and we loved working together in the kitchen, which is how Sapbush Hollow Farm evolved into Sapbush Hollow Farm and Cafe, and hence the Irish lamb stew we were preparing to serve as the pandemic hit. In the past year and a half, our daughters have taken to studying fashion design, learning to construct their own sewing patterns, turning tablecloths and curtains into capes and gowns. Ula took up violin in dreams of being a rock star violinist. Sersha worked on her singing, joined several local productions, and has even joined the board of her local theater project. All the while, they trained the new guardian donkeys, packed orders for customers, fed the hogs daily, took care of the baby lambs, and on weekends, pulled lattes at the Cafe Espresso Bar and served up heaping plates of farm-fresh food. When they talk of chasing their big dreams, they also envision how to work them back into Satbush Hollow Farm and Cafe. Who knows? Perhaps we'll add a line of upcycled fashions, perform concerts, or do costume design. And while that's no guarantee that our children's dreams will lead them back to the family business, we are certain that squelching them will either lead them to abandon it or leave them stuck here with unfulfilled hearts and resentment. So we encourage all their dreams, however far-reaching they might be. As multi-generational business owners, we've learned that the dreams we chase help us grow and develop new skills and perspectives, which helps the business expand in ways that wouldn't have been imaginable before. In turn, this helps create a more diversified, vibrant community where more family businesses can succeed. And that's what we're here for. Oh my gosh, folks, this is it. We have completed another season of the Hearth of Sapbush Hollow podcast. If you're like me, you are forever on a quest to live more deeply, make time for what matters, and still keep the bills paid. For me, that quest for deep living requires downtime where I live more quietly to tap into my creativity, focus on homeschooling, and work on other writing projects. But if you're worried about missing these podcasts through the winter, there are over 50 back episodes in the archives, as well as over a decade of blog post essays that were written before I started podcasting. You can find all of them and revisit all the joys of raising two girls at Sapbush Hollow Farm at theradicalhomemaker.net. Another way to feed yourself on words is to pick up a copy of my new book, Redefining Rich, Achieving True Wealth with Small Business, Side Hustles, and Smart Living, where I share lots of stories and explore the balance between being creative, changing the world, and recognizing the riches right under your nose. I also give a lot of helpful advice about money and small business, so don't miss it. 
If you want to keep up with our adventures through the fall and winter, be sure to follow at Sapbush Shannon and at Sapbush Hollow Farm on Instagram or Shannon Hayes and Sapbush Hollow Farm on Facebook. Sapbush Cafe will remain open through the fall Saturdays 9 to 2 with indoor and outdoor dining. And remember, masks are back. We ask that all customers remain masked when not seated at their tables. Don't worry, we'll still have lots of fun. The light is changing and the seasons are turning. It's time to think about filling your freezer for winter. If you're within driving distance, be sure to check out our CSA meat shares for great savings on our sustainably raised grass-fed beef and lamb, pastured pork and chickens, and our Thanksgiving turkeys. Learn more at sapbushfarmstore.com. If you want to come stay for a few nights, be sure to check out our vacation rental and tenter sites at sapbush.com. You can also visit our new Honor Store 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, featuring our meats and a selection of local organic and natural grocery items. If you enjoyed this, please take a few minutes to leave a review. This helps other folks find my work. And please share this podcast with friends and family. This really helps to get the ideas to spread. This podcast happens with the support of my patrons on Patreon. And for this final week, I'd like to send a shout out to my patrons, Kim Cobersmith and Katie Watersmith. Thank you, folks. I couldn't put this season together without you. If you'd like to help support my work, you can do so for as little as $1 a month by hopping over to Patreon and looking up Shannon Hayes. Remember, your support through the winter months gives me time to do the deeper creative work so I can come back strong and rested in the spring. In case you were wondering, this podcast was produced and edited by the sexiest man alive, my husband Bob Hooper, and the great music we're listening to comes to us from Emory. Thanks for listening this season. May the coming months bring you rest, peace, good health, and great joys. See you in the spring. Now the birds are singing about all the things they've seen over in the other countries, sowing seeds and reaping dreams, and I think that I am learning.